0: Scripture reading that Brian just read is from the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Scripture reading being from Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 is toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what the Lord is talking about is the importance, the necessity of making a committed Choice the necessity of making a committed choice. If you look at Matthew 7:13 and 14, there are a series of contrasts. Look at the passage. The contrasts are amazing for two brief verses. There is the broad gate and the narrow gate. There is the easy way and the hard way. There are the many and there are the few. There is destruction on the one hand and life on the other. And when it comes to making a committed choice, Jesus could not have been more clear. Because there's two gates, two ways, two destinies. There's only two. Make your choice and be committed to the choice that you make because that is where you will be eternally. Eternity. I want you to think about this statement as we look at this passage this morning. I don't want to make Christianity any harder or any easier than my Lord has. Think about that statement. I don't want to make Christianity any harder Or any easier than my Lord has. Would you say that with me? I don't want to make Christianity any harder or any easier than my Lord has. It is astounding how many people who on the one hand want to make Christianity harder than Jesus and the Apostles. But I suspect that even more, looking on the other hand, there are people who in the long run make things easier than Jesus and the apostles. But go right back to the series of contrast. The narrow gate, the wide gate, the hard way, The easy way. The few, the many. Those who will know life and those who will know everlasting punishment, destruction. What I'd like for us to do this morning is to look at five truths from this passage. Five truths to consider About making a committed choice. Truth number one. Jesus wants us to enter by the narrow gate. If you've got the old version, the King James version, it used the word the straight gate. S-T-R-A-I-T, not S -T T. R-A-I-G-H-T. Straight as an arrow. That's not what he says. But in the King James, straight here means narrow and difficult and arduous. And it could be something that's going to require effort and energy to go through the gate. That's why it's called narrow in the English Standard Version. Notice that Jesus doesn't simply suggest this. He says, enter in by the narrow gate. In a similar passage, Jesus said, strive to enter in. Luke 13 and verse 24. And what we have to see is that Jesus wants us to understand that if we're going to go through this gate, it's going to require energy, it's going to require effort, it is going to to involve real commitment. He wants us to see it. And as a matter of fact, in Luke 13, 24, the word that is translated strive means to agonize. Entering in through this gate may involve difficulty and agony at times. Pain. The Lord pulls no punches. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, the Bible says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of life eternal. And remember the good, fe- the good confession that you have made in the presence of many witnesses. To fight the good fight of faith, strive to enter in the narrow gate. It might be difficult. What lies ahead can be hard sometimes, but make the committed choice. Truth to observe, number two. Jesus says to enter the narrow gate. Jesus says to enter. Notice the passage there again in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Is he asking us to just hear about the narrow gate? You need to hear about the narrow gate. Well, Mike's preaching on it this morning. Well, all right. Is he asking us? You to simply admire the gate. You know, there's a lot of people out there who claim to believe in the Scriptures and they admire the fact that, yes, the Lord talks about a specific way and a specific gate and few and life. They understand the contrast. They admire what is said, but that's as far as they ever really get. They don't make the committed choice to enter the gate and walk the way. Blessed are they that keep His commandments. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Christ has become the author of eternal salvation to all that obey Him. Hebrews 5 verses 8 and 9. And within the overall context of Scripture, the sweeping context of of Scripture, the big picture... Yes, grace is free to us, but at infinite cost to God. How you respond to Christ and grace involves entering the gate, walking the way, being among the few, And coming to know life in Him. And so while grace is free in the sense that it's extended to all men, potentially, grace is of infathomable cost to God. And how we respond to that fact ought to be seen in light of Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Next. Jesus didn't just want us to admire about... You know, some people when it comes to the gate, they they like to talk about people they've known through the years that entered the gate. They entered by the narrow gate. You know, we talk about family members who were faithful to God... But that's not what Jesus says. And again, we can appreciate the faithful who've gone on before us. He's indicating that we need to enter the narrow gate. Correct? That this is the committed choice we need to make. Number four. Actually, three, isn't it? We look at this passage. We are to enter the narrow gate. We are to enter... To enter, not just talk about it, hear about it, admire the narrow gate, and think about loved ones who passed through it. But third, this truth is important. The gate is described by Jesus. Both the gate is described as narrow and the way is narrow. In your particular translation, you might have the narrow gate... And the hard way. Paul would say, with but much tribulation, we shall enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14 and verse 22. Jesus would say at the beginning of this sermon, Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus is indicating that the way can be hard and the gate is narrow. You know what? The idea that I get is this. The gate is small and there's, there's an opening that anybody can get through in one sense. But you cannot get through Without leaving something behind. Anybody can get through it. But no one can get through the gate without leaving something behind. And so, I think initially, the picture that comes into my mind is it's one of those small spots. And the only way you can get through it is on your knees. Steve, we can't get through the gate. We can't go the hard way and walk in pride. We can't be full of ourselves. We will have to be looking to the preacher of this sermon to get us so that we can enter the gate and walk the way. When we talk about the gate and the way... One cannot enter the gate and walk the way because it's narrow and difficult and hard without leaving behind self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. You know, Jesus is preaching this sermon to some people in a crowd at least who thought they pretty well had everything all together, didn't they? I'm not under any illusions that things are entirely different now. Sometimes, it's self-righteousness. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a member of the church. I have a family background. Yes, you may. Have you made a committed choice to the way of our Lord. Have you? I do not want to make Christianity any harder or any easier than Jesus. Do you? That's why we must always look to Scripture as our guide, and we must not elevate our opinion to the point of God's word. But we must hold fast a respect for his authority. And when Jesus says something, the people who want to enter the gate and walk his way, listen and walk. That brings me to a harder part of this particular passage for some people. Jesus says, Few enter the narrow gate and walk the appropriate way. Jesus says, Few. Well, how are we to reconcile that with a religious world that claims to be Christian often? It can't be reconciled. Because it must be the narrow gate, the way of the Lord. It must be the way of the few. It must be the way that leads to life. It must be. Truth is precious because it includes reality, but it excludes things too. Truth includes people, because people can obey truth. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. They can love and obey truth or not. Few. I think of years ago when we we were really into shipping and there were thousands, millions of stars up in the sky but captains would look for the north star and that north star would give them a sense of direction. We look to Christ's word for our sense of direction. Any other source is flawed truth deals with reality and truth by its very meaning excludes things that are only partially true or completely erroneous what I'm saying about that is Jordan you can be looking at another star and be pretty sincere about it but it's not going to give you the sense of direction you need to get home We must look to Christ's word. Colossians 3.17 as the authoritative standard. Few. In comparison to the billions of people who have lived, few, yes. I'm also thankful that while that word is used, few, by our Lord, that in the book of Revelation, in speaking of the redeemed The Bible speaks about myriads and myriads and the idea is this, untold numbers throughout time, the angelic beings being included all giving praise and glory to God. Few, You know, churches of Christ in the eyes of the world itself we're a pretty small group, aren't we? few and even among churches of Christ not all really are making a committed choice are they think about that and more than anything do you want to have a relationship with God do you Jesus is preaching this sermon the Sermon on the Mount. To know that, that for people to know that there's a God in heaven and He wants to have a relationship with us and that we can be among the few. Notice this finally. Jesus wants to give life. Few there be that find the life that He came to give. Pick up your Bible and look at Matthew chapter 19. I want to look at three passages with you as we kind of bring things to a a conclusion this morning. Look at Matthew 19 and verse 16. And what begins as such a hopeful passage ends so tragically because a man would not make a committed choice to Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 16. A man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? The rich young ruler. As the conversation goes on, verse 20, the young man said to him, all these have I kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And the text says, the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Remember what we talked about earlier? It's possible for anybody... It's possible for anybody to enter the narrow gate, but nobody leaves gets through the narrow gate without leaving something behind. What was it going to be in the case of the rich young ruler? If we love wealth more than God, it can keep us out of heaven. If we love alcohol and our addictions more than God, and I know people can struggle with these things, but if we love them more than God, that can keep us out of heaven. If I love my pride and my self-righteousness more than I love God, it can keep me out of heaven. Life. Look at Matthew 19 here in verse 23. Because Jesus had said, 19 verse 23, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty shall a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say that with God all things are possible, verse 26. But look at verse 29. That's really the passage I wanted to focus on. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. The way may be hard, but life awaits one more passage, Matthew twenty five, verse forty six. Two gates, two ways, two destinies. Here, Jesus. These will go away into eternal punishment who lord if we were to answer that on the basis of Matthew 7:13 and 14 who will go to eternal punishment those who go through the broad gate and take the easy way the many Second part of the statement, but the righteous to eternal life, who, Lord, let Matthew 7, 13 and 14 answer, those who go through the narrow gate and take the way that is sometimes hard, those who are the few, they will come to know eternal life. The Word of God, Scripture, does not authorize other faiths. There is one faith. The Word of God does not authorize denominationalism within the umbrella of Christianity because there was no such thing as denominationalism in the time of Jesus. I want to be where God is, don't you? Where He is, there is pleasure and outrageous, unbelievable fullness of joy. Psalm 16, He, God Himself, is our exceeding joy. Psalm 43 and verse 4. So choose a way that may be hard and a gate that might be narrow but choose that by making a committed choice to be God's child and to know life. Isn't it great that that's possible? The one who preached this sermon initially is the one who makes the life possible for us to make such a choice. Come to Him if you haven't. Respond to Jesus in faith and trust and a desire to obey Him, confessing that He is the Son of God. Turn from your sins in repentance and be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And at that very moment, you'll be added to the body of Christ, the church. Why linger? I don't want to make life harder for anybody. As it concerns the teaching of Jesus. I don't want to make it harder. But I sure don't want to make it easier either. When Jesus spoke about the matter. Two and only two gates. Two and only two ways. Two and only two destinies. Where will you be? Let us stand and sing.